I guess we're rolling. All right, so welcome to the uh, the final edition of the Decipio Bears podcast. It's very sad. So as always, I'm Andy, joined by Kyle Morris and Mike Donahue. Guys, how's yeah. it going? Cheers to another season down the tubes. Down the drain. In fitting bear style. In Green Bay, just enough to frustrate us all. Yeah, just Before, enough uh, that there was just enough you couldn't turn the fucking thing off, even though you knew how it was going to end. Before we get into you know all of the things that we're going to get into, I wanted to just get it off my chest and start at the end and just vent about how it ended. I know it's not a big thing in the whole scheme of things with Jesper Horstead. You're not going to besmirch Jesper Horstead, are you? Inexplicably, inexplicably thinking he's John Riggins on a playground of fifth graders, but I just and it and, and yeah, they shouldn't have been in that position. Defense didn't tackle the third. The offense could not get going. Shouldn't have come down to that. But it just stuck with me. It was like Terrence Gore and shoulder pads. I, I don't understand. That play would have been so sweet. Even if they didn't get the two-point conversion, it would have been worth it. Even if they got the two-point conversion and lost in overtime, it would have been worth it just to make Green Bay go through that ringer. But then imagine if they did do that. I mean, it would have – it could have totally – even if the Bears didn't capitalize and miss the playoffs still, which would be realistic because there's still – you know, it would still be a game behind Minnesota. Of course, they would be playing them. But or two games behind, they'd still need a lot of help. But just imagine all this talk about oh, they're a first-year coach and ten first coach to win ten games. If the Bears manage to pull that game out of their ass and send Green Bay into a tailspin, I just it would have almost made the season worth it. So that's all. I just absolutely frustrated with that guy's desire to lug the ball in from fifteen yards. You know, it would have given us something. I think, I don't know. It seemed to me like by the time he recognized Allen Robinson was even there, his arm was already pinned. Like, I don't think the odds of getting off a pitch to Robinson were very good anyways. So, I don't know. Maybe. It looked to me that on on the many replays was he saw, he saw Anthony Miller but Miller had gotten Who ran ahead, ahead of Miller him. had gotten ahead of him, so he couldn't pitch it to him. And then by the time he saw Robinson, he he was being tackled and couldn't get him the ball. So, anyway, I mean, I think at Princeton they do teach you, you know, <laughs> you can't pitch the ball forward on a, a kick return. Yeah, it was like a it was like a rugby play. And I will say that it had Cohen managed, managed to get off return. a crisper pass. I'll also no. say this got nothing to do with Jesper Horstead, but uh, it's so great that probably in his career, no team has historically defended Aaron Rodgers better and yet gotten their asses kicked every time anyways. (laughs) He didn't even complete 50% of his fucking passes. How hard it is to be the one team that can slow that motherfucker's roll and never profit from it? I God, it hurts. 
one like one time in the last five years have I gotten to watch that motherfucker actually with his stupid ass mustache standing there dumbfounded at the end of an ass kicking. It I'm tired of it. Well, and they hurt him twice, and they still only won one of those two games. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a good point. This year, in eight quarters, he had four touchdown drives. That's not very no Rogers esque, is it? No, it, it, I mean throughout his career. I mean, granted, there's the years that no one really paid attention where he torched them. But I mean, going back to the Lovey years, like Lovey. Lovey's defense, I mean, how many times in the Lovey era did they ever give up more than, like, you know, 21, 22 points to the Packers, and yet they still lost every fucking game? Yeah. Well, so, so, and this year, they held him to 166 yards in the first game and 192 yards in the second game. They only gave up, what, 31 points in two games and couldn't get a win. That's great. They lost both, and the Packers' defense is not great. It, it's not. No. It, I think they're, I think they're twentieth in DVOA. I mean, they're they're opportunistic. They're 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 a little bit higher and they're a little bit better in points allowed than if you look at their actual statistics. They probably should be, but um, I mean, this is the every team but the Bears can run against them. Most teams but the Bears can pass against them. It twenty two points should not have been a huge ask against the, this defense, and yet the, the whole Packer team they're expect they're eleven and three. Their expected win loss is eight and six. Yeah, and they're eleven and this three. is this is the it's the same Packers team. They've changed the they changed the coach, and they finally went with a guy who's not named Mike, but it's. It's pretty much the same team that Mike Sherman got into the playoffs every year, the same team that Mike McCarthy got into the playoffs every year after their Super Bowl season. It's it's a it's a good, not great offense. They're like top ten. They're not I don't think they're even top five. And it's a it's a defense that plays poorly against everyone but the Bears. And they're gonna walk into the playoffs and walk right out and we'll get to enjoy none of it. But the you know, I think Mike Sherman had a ran. Mike Sherman had a run there for like three years, where they they won the division, and I think they only won like two games total against teams with winning records. They would just go six and zero against the NFC North, and then get whacked as soon as that they was, ran into uh, the Eagles that, in the playoffs. That's a page out of Mike Ditka and the go go four and two against the division every year, five hundred yeah. against everybody else, make the playoffs. Well, they've they've given up more yards than they've gained as a team. They are. They've given up. They're they're ranked twenty third in yards allowed. They are twenty third in in um, defensive net yards per attempt, and twenty fourth in uh, yards per carry allowed. They they're, really they're are. Not, they really are the same. They're Saint, not good. The St. Louis Cardinals of football, and they might very well be the number one seed in the NFC. And then still get bounced in one game. So, <sighs> so uh, Mitch put up. <clears throat> if you didn't watch the game, um, he looked like he had a productive day. And if you did watch the game, he certainly had some moments. But he just, even in a game, well, I mean, they only scored one touchdown. It can't be that good. You, there's just so many plays. 
that he just doesn't make. It's confounding. Yeah. In his defense, he did make a he did make a few. He showed enough to me sometimes where I, I almost start to wonder: Could a really good coach actually maybe do something with him? There, there were no. a couple. There were there were a couple throws in the second half where I thought maybe some sort of a gale wind came came rolling into Lambo <laughs> where he throws the ball, and it's like, what, what the hell happened? Like the ball just got knocked down by the wind. I mean, that wasn't what happened, but that it, it happened. A couple. But on the other hand, you know, he, zi- he, zi- he zips a few in there. I know maybe he got lucky and get picked off. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not saying I've, I've come back on him, but he's, I don't think he had that bad of a game. He's played well enough that I think we're going to have to deal with him next year. Um, I. St- think if they don't at least bring in legit competition it can't be chase daniel it's got to be someone that you actually think you have a chance in hell of making the playoffs with if you pull that trigger so i i think god most likely will end up with future bear andy dalton but uh, robert mays will be excited he wanted, yeah, no, he I'm, wanted, no, to, he, wanted he, to give up a second round pick for him yeah he, he really likes to to toot that horn and Okay. Redheaded, redheaded Shane Matthews. Yeah, so eh, yeah. He, I'd give him a bit more respect than that. He's like a like a redheaded Neil O'Donnell. Uh, Why don't they just go get some Fitz Magic if they're going to do that? Yeah, shit. Uh, of the litany they of love Bears, the Ivy League guys, so why not? Of the uh, of the litany of Bears quarterbacks that we've had going all the way back, you know, whatever to the nineties, have we even had a ginger quarterback? I mean, I'm, I'm filing through my Rolodex with your Steve Stenstroms and Moses Moreno. And Did Jonathan Will Fuhrer have a little red in that hair? <laughs> he was from West Virginia. Peter Tom Willis didn't. I don't know. No P.T. Willis. So there. There's what color is Matt Barkley's hair? I can't. Now he's blonde. I just realized that. Yeah, He's still not, ch- not, not not Chad Hutchinson, not Jimmy Clausen, no. Yeah, he's he's backing up the immortal Josh Allen in Buffalo. So who is uh, Barkley. Matt Barkley? Oh, Josh right. Allen. I have I have ranted against Josh Allen since before he was drafted because he uh, he would completed fifty six percent of his passes in college, which nowadays is abysmal. I mean, it wasn't great ten years ago. It's really abysmal now, and especially in you know at Wyoming, for God's sake. Yeah, when he was being yeah when he was being, well when he was being drafted, the argument was always you know ah oh, you can teach accuracy, but every time someone says that, I'm like name one person who that has been successfully taught accuracy because it actually hasn't happened. And so he he had a little run there. He, he started off the season horribly, but he had a little run there where he had the easiest schedule in the NFL. And and over that, like, 10-week stretch, his, his or eight-week stretch, his statistics literally came out to league average. And and I think it was SB Nation that wrote an article that was like, Josh Allen is good now. And within and then the last two games, he I believe he's completed 42% of his passes for 165 <laughs> yards. And it's like, oh, it turns out every time he faces a pass defense that's actually any good, he is the guy from – Colorado or from Wyoming who can't complete half his passes but yeah no Matt Barkley is his backup so and he when I then 
Josh Allen fans last year when I would talk about how much he sucked. They would tell me, well, you can't do shit with Buffalo's offensive line and you can't do anything with their wide receivers. Matt Barkley came in, was signed midweek, had to start one game because of injuries to Allen and the immortal uh, Peterman. And Matt Barkley threw for three touchdowns and like 250. It was the best game any Bills quarterback had all season. And he did it without knowing the playbook. And he's Matt Barkley. And I, I had to hear how, yeah. So, anyways, little little tangent there. But maybe, yeah, Matt Barkley started. I don't think we've ever had a ginger quarterback. Maybe the Bears ought to bring Matt Barkley back. You know what they ought to get? Yeah, maybe. They should, they should get that Lamar Jackson. That's what they should Yeah, yeah, he would have been. Ooh. I wonder if they could do uh, that. They could probably trade, uh, I don't know, well, Jesper Horstead, maybe. I kind of wonder if Bridgewater overplayed it like if he played himself out of being able to sign a one-year deal because he's he's up his deals up with the saints but i think he might have played too well while filling in for breeze yeah i would think uh, he, he might have priced himself he he's gonna go somewhere where they're gonna promise him that he's the starter yeah the top two Which the top two choices the top two choices i had were were Tannehill and bridgewater but i think both of them have now played well enough that Tannehill, tennessee would be stupid to let him go at yeah. this point um, well, which is not a thing I ever expected to say in my life, but here we are. I mean, I, and Bridgewater, I, I think, is going to go somewhere that that guarantees him the job. So I think the Bears are going to be picking from Andy Dalton and whatever's left of Cam Newton. I don't know. But they don't want to, Patrick. Do we think Tannehill's that good? He's only completed 71.5% of his passes this year. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. That, uh, 17 well, touchdowns, a, another... six picks. 2,200 yards in eight in 10 games, eight starts. Jeez. Well, if you look at if you look at what he did with Tannehill and you look at what he's done with the Jets, it's really amazing that Adam Goss consider Gase consider still gets the respect and the jobs that he's gotten. Because I mean, this well, is a dude who you know why he gets it. He, had, he Jay, got he got Jay a good had, year out of Jay, and everybody's like, "Well, it I mean, wasn't even it. a it wasn't even a good no, year it though. A, it was the year where they had." They had no expectations, right. and they didn't score. That, that offense was like twenty third in passing. He got Jay to, he got Jay to check down and lose rather than try to throw an interception. Is what he did. And the thing that that still gets me is that what he's really coasting on is those two years as Denver's offense yeah. coordinator for a quarterback whose most famous attribute is that he calls his own fucking plays. <laughs> Why would you need that guy? And yeah, I mean he he, he did nothing in what four years with Tannehill and. And the guy lands in with the Tennessee Titans of all teams, not exactly known for getting the most out of project quarterbacks, and he lights the world on fire. So yeah, Tannehill's probably off. But the but now the Bears may be talking themselves into the guy that is making that Tannehill's making look even worse by comparison. We could end up with a nice Trubisky Mariota. Oh, I I would almost competition. Guarantee, I would almost guarantee that that that's what's going to happen. Well. I, I think with, with Tannehill and um, and Bridgewater, you already you already hit it on the head, Kyle. Those guys are going to go somewhere where they're start where they're going to start. I don't think the Bears are looking necessarily to just replace Mitch as much as give him legit. Yeah, it'll be someone. I don't think Tannehill. Yeah. So it like it's more on the who... Dalton Mariota level. It's not going to be somebody. Bridgewater is not going to go anywhere unless he's promised to be a starter. And if Tannehill is forced out of Tennessee, it's going to be the same the same thing. So it's going to be someone like a cut below, someone that might be a starter, 
but is going to have to win the job. If the Bears bring someone in, that's what they're going to do. They're not just going to replace me. They're not going to. They're not going to throw him away. Yeah, it's gonna. Right? It's gonna be. Well, and they can't. They can't really afford to pay someone probably quarterback starter money anyway. So it's got to be someone who's willing to do probably one year, five million or less. Which at the beginning of this year, and even after a handful of starts, I thought might be Tannehill. But at this point, eh, not going to happen. He's bad. Worst case scenario, I think Tennessee franchise might franchise tag him if they can't work something out. They're they're not sure what they have, but yeah, it's going to have to be Dalton, going to have to be Newton, going to have to be Mariota. I my my money would probably be on Mariota. So, well, my my concern is the coach because you know going into the year there were doubts about Trubisky and he certainly lived down to those doubts. But I I think going into the year I don't think anybody was too concerned about Nagy. Kind of gave us. You know, I, I season where I I don't know. I had I, concerns about Nagy last year, but I talked myself into a couple excuses for him because he. Uh, you can go. I mean, I would never recommend anybody go back and actually read my tweets, but you can go back to last year, and, and I had plenty of concerns about Nagy kind of turtling, relying on the defense a little too much. I had questions about his sequencing and his play calling, but I did tell myself kind of the excuses everyone else made that they didn't have a functional run game because Howard didn't fit the system. You thought Montgomery would be an improvement. I still think Montgomery yeah. is the better fit. I just don't think they, I mean, they don't have the blocking for him for one. Um, the, the other problem is that the other problem is that a lot of the times we see those negative runs that Montgomery has, we assume that the, the offensive lines run blocking is horrible. Then you watch the film and you realize it was an RPO and there was a wide open receiver that Mitch didn't see. And he decided to hand it into the running back wall. Um, and I, I, so I thought if they got a better back that would fit the system, you know, you, you get Mitch another year experience. And I thought maybe he would open things up, but uh, yeah, none of that materialized. And yeah, I mean, the, you can put a lot of that on Mitch, but this was a guy who was hired with one job, which was to develop Mitch. And and Mitch has played better. He really has played. No, he hasn't played good, but he's played better the last four or five weeks. And I think if we had seen that all year long, they might have won another. They they probably don't lose. You know, they, they might have won another game or two, and they, they might still be in the hunt, and I'd be less mad at him. But, I mean, it, it, it took him until – what the 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 Lions game, the first Lions game, to realize that play action is a thing that that could help Mitch. So, yeah, yeah I don't I think don't Nagy did. I don't think he did some, him any favors the first half of the year. Well, I saw a tweet that was someone was some one of the Bears beat writers or whatever um, was like. I think one thing the Bears have shown by fighting back is that you know a couple of your weeks ago Nagy was getting Tressman comparisons and. And we, he, he, his team has heart, and he's proved he's not Tressman. The only difference between Tressman and Nagy is that Nagy has a defense that he has nothing to do with, but that's actually good. Tressman inherited a defense that collapsed. You give Tress, yeah. you give, I mean, you give Nagy. They're scoring fewer points under Nagy than they were under Tressman in, in that second year. If you give him the same defense that Tressman had, this team's not even going to finish five and eleven like Tressman did. They're probably two and fourteen. So. That's a good point. Yeah. Trustman was was at the helm in one of the rare times, one of the rare seasons where they had an above average offense and were actually done in other defense. I want to say nineteen ninety five and twenty thirteen are the two years where oh yeah the defense just well you don't just, you weren't a big fan of Mel Tucker. 
My God, I mean, they, I mean that that offense was even, whether it was McCown or, or Cutler. I mean, they were just racking up points, and the defense just couldn't hold teams. And it was weird. We're not used to that, obviously. It's usually the other way around, like this year. This year is more the blueprint to what we're accustomed to. The Bears lead the league, or the, the, the they lead the NFC in defensive points allowed. They're first in the NFC. Uh, I want to say third in the NFL. Uh, 253 points allowed puts them tops, but of course they only have a plus three net point because they also have the fewest points scored. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, not. I'm sorry, second fewest, <laughs> the Redskins, 215. But my point stands. Um, we're used to that. We've seen it before. Makes it no less disheartening, though, and especially because Nagy and his merry band of quarterbacks coaches are the ones that are in charge. And and that's what we got. Now they do not lack for quantity of quarterback coach quality, maybe, but they certainly throw numbers at it. Everybody on that fucking coaching staff is a quarterback coach. I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I don't know. If you keep Mitch, I just don't know what the logic is for hoping he gets any better. I just, I mean, which they're going to keep him. He's shown enough. They're going to, they're going to let him compete for the job. But I just, realistically, I don't know what areas he would show improvement in that he shouldn't have already shown improvement at now. Like, I I just, I just don't buy that the difference between year three and year four is when the light bulb's going to come on. But, and no, I don't think. I think Nagy also is extremely defensive, and I think he, especially next year, they'll both have their seats really on fire. So I think the minute he can throw, and they're already getting kind of testy. Mitch criticized the play calling after the after the game. Yep. Um, so I, I think this the minute things go south next year, and I'm assuming they will, you'll start to see them both really throw each other under the bus. So I, it's going to get ugly. I think. I'll be interested to see whose heads roll after this season. Um, somebody's going to take the fall for this, and it's not going to be Nagy, and it's not going to be Pace, and it's not going to be Mitch. So I would like to. I would assume. I would like to see Nagy just give up play calling duties. I don't know if you give them up to Mark Helfrich or you find someone else, but um, but I don't think he'll do that. Uh, so my guess, and there's no point in firing Helfrich then, because how do you fire an offensive coordinator who doesn't call right. plays? Um, well, what's Dow? So what's Dow sure up to? Maybe Dow yeah. can come out yeah. and call plays. He had a better offense in his one year of calling than they put up yeah. this year. Dave, Dave Ragone, I assume, is the guy who's going to take the fall for that. So, just like you know, the Cubs firing the hitting a pitching coach every year, it's never. It's never anybody of consequence's fault. You just, uh, you know, act like you're doing Well, now that. there's there's an idea. 2020 Bears quarterback coach Rudy Jaramillo. So. <laughs> Hello. Are, are, are we are we saying that there will be a head that's going to roll this offseason? Or you're saying when they stumble out of the gate next year? No, uh, I, well, I, 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 I think someone will be a sacrificial lamb for this disappointment. Yeah, so do I. I agree. And it won't. I, it I won't it matter. It'll be a. It'll be a futile gesture. But that's kind of what. The, that's kind of the Bears' deal. So they'll. Some token sap will take the fall for it, and no one will care because it won't be anybody that matters. But 
Maybe it'll be Brad Childress. He's probably not around anyway, so they can just pretend that they fired him. Okay. So I wonder what the deal is. Could they, lo- you know, we like to make XFL jokes about Mitch. Could they loan Mitch to the XFL <laughs> so he could play some more? That's <clears throat> probably not the best idea. When, when is that season? In the spring? February, maybe. It's coming right up. But uh, I guess another good thing that's happened is the Raiders have been losing, which means the Bears' second round second pick, round pick is, is moving on up. They basically have the same. The Raiders one game worse than the Bears now, I think. I think the Raiders only won seven games. Takes the sting out of it a little bit. Yeah, the Raiders are six and eight. And it, probably, it, it probably wouldn't have mattered because what we're talking about is, is pretty systemic. Um, but if you look at the season as a whole, the difference between making the He appears to be frozen. Oh, no. So let's guess what he was going to say. The difference between making the playoffs is don't lose the fucking Raiders in London. Is that that would have been I, that would have yeah, been a good I don't know. finish to that pointing out that in spite of. Uh, well, you know, that the difference between making the playoffs and missing was boils down to the Chargers game and the Raiders game. But we're right. Probably doesn't probably doesn't matter. Because of all of these underlying flaws that we're talking about, that they would, really wouldn't be anyone's bet to do much. Because of you know, even if they pulled those, games, I mean, the Raiders game they didn't lose that because of Mitch. That was like the one egg. Mitch didn't even play, but that was the one egg that the defense laid. They weren't ready, and then even when Daniels fish Dan, Daniel fished that game out, the defense still gave it back, and then. You know, the Chargers game really did sort of symbolize why they're not that good of a team. Yeah, they should have won the game, <laughs> but the pl- but the play calling was atrocious, and Trubisky turned the ball over twice in the fourth quarter. So the reason they lost that game is pretty much the same reason that uh, you wouldn't have gotten your hopes up for them anyway. So, yeah, it was um, all it was all Eddie's fault. And that 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 actually, actually kind of was. Too. That was when we got the wonderful the. Uh, Ran a play just to put the ball on the on his preferred hash, and they picked the wrong one. That was great. Yeah, yeah. That's the attention mm-hmm. to detail that we've got, um, which rears its head in every game with Nagy's mind-boggling use of replay challenges and timeouts. It's amazing how bad he is at. That. And I know the replay thing. There's, it's probably it's, it's somebody in the booth's fault on the did Kumaro step out of bounds. I mean, bounds? he's. He's really an Andy Reid disciple in every in yeah. every sense because I mean Andy is just the best coach in the NFL that sucks at all of the parts of being a coach except for play calling, and Nagy is all of that and with the added bonus of not being able to call fucking plays. So yeah, he's but he's bad at challenges. He's bad at time management. He's just just the total package. But you know they. They have strobe lights when they win, and that sets the culture. So, so, so if Andy, because he's a bad play caller, he can't really call him a poor man's Andy Reid. He's is he a so he would be the a disciple. Is he a poor man's Marty Morningweg? Is that what Matt Nagy is? 
He's a or is he Canadian. Ex- he's Canadian exchange rate rich cotite. I don't know. So it's, it's he's such, depressing, is what it, it is. Andy, I, I, I I had the same thought though. You, you started to touch upon it on that play where Kumaro. And by the way, there's that's no relation to former Oak Park River Forest. Um, Ohio State, Miami Dolphins, Chicago Bear, and former mob boss Tony Accardo grandson Eric Akumar. Yes, Eric it's, Coomer. it's his. It's either his son or his nephew. You're kidding? No. Okay. And one of his, I think Jake's brother played. I can never keep it straight. Um, played football at St. Charles East with my nephew. Okay, so his great grandfather was like Al Capone's yeah. right-hand man. All right, but that play, I thought the exact same thing. It was a stupid challenge, but that challenge only could have occurred because some asshat upstairs told him to challenge yeah. it. I mean, I mean that's, that guy should be out of a job. Maybe it was Ryan Pace. Well, it was maybe, it was Virgin, maybe it was Virginia McCaskey. It was a pointless challenge anyway. I'll come back to har- harking on the, some, the coaches don't appreciate the strategy of challenges. And even if you're in the right, it's not always the smartest thing. To go. It wouldn't have had a huge impact. They had gotten a first down. You're talking a difference of, of eight yards or whatever. It didn't, it didn't really change the, the down, um, a little bit of the distance. So, you know, even if you got that right, it's not worth the risk. And then, of course, you don't get it and you lose the timeout, which I think – factored into the play later on when Trubisky made a nice play and he hit Patterson on that third down right past the marker inside the five and Patterson uh the official ruled him out and boy it was close you couldn't really you know you look at the replay especially from of the, the angle above and you could almost see a slight green perimeter around his shoe but they didn't challenge that because they knew that they'd be risking a second time out because of the idiotic challenge on the Kumaro play. So there's a strategy to using challenges and and too many coaches just don't seem to grasp it. Well, it, it really does come down to attention to detail. I mean, if, if he's, if during the course of a game, he can't call plays and, be in charge of replay challenges and timeouts. Then, if you're a, if you're an actual competent coach, you have somebody to help you out with those things. And he clearly either doesn't or he has the wrong person doing it. He also one of his, and I don't know how much of it is an excuse because he doesn't want to talk about it after games. But he gets to ask a lot of questions that he'll be like, "Oh, I don't know, I didn't see that." Especially when they ask a question about what happened on defense. Um, it's like, well, you're the head coach, you know. It's it's not a great excuse to why you can't answer that question. I didn't see that, or I was too busy looking through my, you know, my Denny's menu on the sidelines, and I didn't know what happened. Or it's like the grand the grand slam breakfast was looking really good. That's all. I Moon moons over my hammy. So to answer your previous question, Jake Kumaro is the son of former Miami Dolphin linebacker Eric Kumaro. They didn't even put the Bears in here. That's a slight. Uh, he is the nephew of former Dolphins defensive end John Bosa, therefore a cousin to John's sons, Joey and Nick Bosa. Oh, wow. Uh, his sister, Courtney, was an All-American basketball player at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Uh, his younger, his youngest brother, Derek, uh, is also playing at Whitewater, and he started at Illinois and then transferred to Whitewater. And they're from, no, he was born in Bartlett and grew up in South Elgin. There but no go. reference to his bloodline. No, but we know that's true because we know, yes, because we know that 
his dad. And the Boses have that bloodline. Yep, yep. Okay. There you go. It's an all, the, go, it's an all, an all Jay Kumaro podcast now. little local history for you, Kyle. Okay. All right. It's a weird year in the NFC, given that with still with two games to go, there are four teams with 11 wins and a team with 10 wins. The Vikings, and then seems... the Cowboys. Right, and then you got the Cowboys and Eagles in their little pillow fight in the <laughs> NFC East to see who gets the last playoff spot. Um, so it has a American League vibe where you've got where teams have inflated win totals on the high end because of all of the crap teams. And the Bears couldn't take advantage of any of that because they just were one of the... They weren't even... They were a crap team for most of the season who then rallied to make it look like they were... Yeah, they were one of the... Yeah, they get the the comfort of being one of the... the, Maybe the only middle-class team in the NFC. Right. On paper, the Buccaneers are also 7-7. and And then I would just throw the Rams into that pile because they're going to get curbs. Their season's going to end against the Niners. And the Vikings are going to get in, but yeah, the Rams, arguably the Bucks and the Bears, are the only ones that are in any kind of a middle there. And then you've got, let's see, and because I'm not including the Eagles or Cowboys, like I said, but the other two teams in that division with three wins, the Lions with three, you've got five, six teams with five or fewer wins. That's bad. Yeah, it's just it's weird and bad. The the Bucks still have something to play for, though, because Jameis Winston has an outside mm-hmm. shot at becoming the first quarterback with a 30-30 season. So he'd need to throw six interceptions in two games, which <laughs> is not unprecedented. Which is not unprecedented no, for him. But but he's he's close, and we've never had a 30-30 season before. I think That's Eli Manning insane. once had once had 31 and 25, but I, I I'd like to see a 30-30 season. Somebody listed the there've only been like 5 25 25 seasons and Peyton's rookie season when he threw 28 picks he's on that list. Eli's on the list so it's nice that the Manning brothers have that and I Jay of course add, is on yes, the list. Jay and Jay is on the list. So I don't remember the other two off the top of my head but not far uh, Nope, Favre never did that. Oh, I'm sorry. He saves his back breaking picks for the playoffs. My bad. But yeah, that's quite a Hold on, uh, I'm looking. quite I'm an looking. illustrious group to join there. But uh, I mean, Jameis Jameis is going to throw for five thousand yards. Maybe you just said that while I was. No, he's going to throw for five thousand yards. Wow! And that shows how hollow <laughs> some of those numbers could be. Well, we could sit there and laugh at it as fans of a franchise that still hasn't had a 4,000-yard passer. But it's reminiscent of uh, something that Lou Holtz once said about the great Jarius Jackson. He said he's the most exciting player in football because it looks like he's trying to win the game for both teams at the same time. <laughs> and, and that is Jameis Winston doing the same thing. He's he's liable to throw a touchdown pass on any play to either team. So that's... Yeah. Okay, so there have been... 16 seasons of at least 25 touchdowns and at least 25 interceptions. Okay, so they must have the list must have been like since 19, some year. 98. Sid Luckman's not on it, is he? 
I don't think he would have thrown 25 I don't think he threw 25 picks in his career. It's got to be like the the AFL, I bet. Okay, we got got Daryl LaMonica, the Mad Bomber. Yeah. George Blanda, maybe. Lynn Dickey. Oh. Uh, Babe Perilli. Uh, who had 31 and 20s. The closest we've ever had to a 30-30 season was Dickey. He had 32 and 29. Did what year was that? 83? Uh, 83 for Green Bay. Somebody else in the Bears division, what was the Central then, right, also did it that year. Was it Joe Ferguson? Uh, yes, it? Joe Ferguson yeah. did it for the for the Bills, though. The right. Sim- Oh, okay. So I was to, I had yeah. already teleported him to Wilbur Marshall Land in my mind. Right. No, that was two years later. Was still the Lions quarterback. Danny White had twenty-eight and twenty-five. Uh, so yeah, Jay had twenty-seven and twenty-six his first year as a Bear. Yeah. The most recent one. Yeah, the most recent one was Eli. The year after that, he had thirty-one and twenty-five. Uh, so. Winston is at 30 and 24, I believe. So he he needs at least one more pick to join the 25 interception club, which I'm sure he's he's up to, but he's got an outside shot. Um Yeah, they're playing Texas this weekend on Saturday. So yeah, in, chronolog- in chronological order, the first to do it was a guy named Al Doro hmm. who had 26 and 26 for the 1960 New York Titans. So uh, the leather helmet must have affected his decision making. Yeah. Yep. Uh, George Blanda did do it. Points for Huey. Um, I think that was the he had 40. He had 27 and 42. I think oh. the 42 is still a record. Jesus. I th- I think Tarkenton might or not Tarkenton. Um, Testaverde might have tied the 42 at one point. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that. Man, that is... Yes, 42 interceptions. Wow. Yeah. Hold on, I'm going to look and see what Testaverde, because I know he had a really... No, he had 35 his sec- his second year, so he's not even close to 42. Pretty so, sure 42 is going to stay in for a while. So one of the weird things they always... Although it, his, his picks, he still threw plenty when he got to the Jets, but Vinny's colorblind. And the old Buccaneers uniforms, they wore that really light orange. The creamsicle? Creamsicle. And he couldn't he couldn't tell the difference. To him, it looked exactly the same as the teams wearing white. Wouldn't if you had spent all that money and a number one pick on your quarterback, wouldn't you change the fucking uniforms or at least try it instead of having him his first two full seasons as a quarterback? He combined to throw 57 interceptions, maybe just maybe throw in a darker jersey for a week or two and give it a shot. But I remember that thinking, holy crap. Yeah. Because so, he yeah, was the Landa had forty two. So. He was the first guy that I'd ever heard of this. His wife, because he was colorblind, his wife would like take his clothes and like create little outfits for him in the closet. So when he, because he didn't, he couldn't tell what really matched. And then I always thought this was funny because Peyton Manning, when he first got to Indianapolis, his mom had to do the same thing with his clothes, not because he was colorblind but just because he's a fucking rube and they said he would wear just the most God awful stuff. Like he'd show up and with a, he's got like a denim shirt and a denim jacket and, and jeans on. And they're like, what is this? Canadian tuxedo. 
Yes. So his mom would would pair his clothes together for him and go, "Okay, you wear this shirt with these pants. You wear this." It's like, good lord. Some people are just too dumb to function. <laughs> Kyle, who did Babe Hurley play for? That's the only name I didn't recognize. Uh, hold on, I got to pull it back up. Sorry. It's fine. It's fine. Um, Babe. He played for. When he had, when he had that season, he was with the Boston Patriots, Patriots. back oh, before they were the New England Patriots. So that was my hunch because the AFL was so pass happy. It's no surprise that they had about four of those guys, um, thirty, you know, close to the thirty thirty. So here's here's my follow up question to bring it back to the Bears. You know, we spent a lot of time, you know, harping on Nagy and, and Trubisky. Are we gonna are we gonna ask a little bit about how we feel about the season that Khalil Mack had, or at least the last few games? Did he have one? Well seemed a little disappointing there, you know, towards the end at least. Certainly Sunday. Well he the only I would ta- the only tackle he had Sunday was on the Packers last play, right? When Rogers yeah. gave up and Yeah. And I, you know, I generally def- will instinctively, internally defend Matt because I just assume he's double, triple teamed. And then I get on Leonard Floyd's case because I'm like, well, where's Floyd? But he was not really being ganged up upon. It looked like on Sunday. So I mean, so, I think it might. Some of it is on Khalil because you know he, he he is a great player and he needs to have a a visible impact as well as you know the other one, but. Some of that has got to be on Pagano because yeah, you've got to figure other. out a way to get your best player. And they were making a big deal. I don't think it was – was it Sunday or was it uh, against the Cowboys maybe? That he was – out of a few plays, he was basically lining up in the middle of the field and then picking which side he was going to go to based on the formation, which I think was the first time they'd done that all year. Um to get him away from the tight end, basically, so he'd have a clearer shot at the quarterback. So, so you know, and then there's a third group to blame, like you just said. If he's drawing as much attention as he clearly must be to be being shut out in some of these games, somebody else has to be freed up to make plays. And it shouldn't be, you know, Roquan when he was healthy. Um, it should be somebody on the other side. Roquan should still have yeah, the same Yeah, I think impact. that's... I think that's the main issue is that Floyd Pagano, for whatever reason, and maybe he was right. I don't know. Pagano decided early on that Floyd was not ever going to be the pass rusher that they had wanted him to be. And so he just stopped rushing Floyd. So more often than not, it was Mack and one of the inside linebackers rushing. And I mean, that sometimes that gives you an advantage, but other times especially without Hicks and if someone's able to block that, that the D line without having to use a double team like you would normally use against Hicks, you know, it, you, it just, it really doesn't open up a lot. It, it allows them to always put that tight end on Khalil's side. If they anticipate the pass rush coming from the inside with an inside backer instead of on the other edge, but yeah, they, they need another edge rusher. And Floyd is due to have his option picked up, and I just... He already like, did. I, I, oh, yeah, oh, that's right. $13.5 million. Dollars. 
Yeah, but I mean, I should say that they can cut him. I should say it's only guaranteed. Oh, that's true. In, in case of injury, and I, I'm, I, I don't think Floyd is a bad football player. I think he's. It's clear he's not an edge rusher, and for what he offers you as a linebacker in coverage and against the run, and he's good. He's good. He's not great though, and I don't think you can justify his salary for good, not great at that. And you need someone who complements Mac better. So he would be one of those guys I would expect to be cut this year. Well, if Vic had done, Vic had made the same, basically, he felt the same way about Floyd because there were a lot of games last year where Floyd was just in coverage most of the time. And then Vic would get asked about about his lack of sacks and say, well, he did all these other things for us, which is great. But like you said, I mean, you need a rusher on both, you know, on both sides. And if, that guy can't do that, then it it mitigates how much value the other things that he does has, and you can't pay a premium for you know basically intangibles. I have spoken. <laughs> well, that's disappointing. Yeah, I, yeah, I just really didn't I, have anything to. I had high hopes for Floyd. So, I will say this: if, if we want to end it on a positive, I guess for as far as player reviews, I don't think Anthony Miller is a bust anymore. He and no. Robinson really done a yeoman's work, making the most out of out of Mitch these last few weeks. And yeah. and Miller had a couple where he was open on crossing routes that Mitch just missed again, and they could have had some even bigger plays. So. I think if they do bring in some legit competition, if they can bring in someone who at least can just make the right reads and throw to the open guy, that they've got a decent wide receiver core brewing there. I think they obviously need to find some kind of answer at tight end. Is Burton um, under contract? Uh, he no. is, but he's extremely expendable. It's, it's funny. It, it could be a coincidence because of the caliber of – teams they played when Mitch started to get productive at the end of the season, but it also coincided with Taylor Gabriel being hurt and Mitch getting to throw to more adult-sized wide receivers, which a guy with accuracy issues is not a bad thing, and it made Miller more of an integral part of the offense. So I don't think that's a complete coincidence that with Gabriel out, Miller got more targets and therefore was more productive. But I mean, I like Taylor Gabriel, but he's he can only do he does a, he does a couple of things really well, and then you don't get much yeah, out of Miller, the rest of it. Miller's for all of his sort of extraneous bullshit and the fact that he disappeared for chunks in the season, he's a cut above Gabriel, no doubt. Yeah, Gabriel's gone. There, there's no way he's coming back. He's what about um, for... who's the R- Riley Ridley? What the hell is that guy's name? Yeah, the one they drafted from Georgia. I... It was like standing flat. flat. One of these plays, and it seems that like it's happened a few times this year. Maybe I'm just a football idiot, but when Mitch was scrambling, is this common or is this attributable to attributed to the Bears, where the receivers don't seem to move when Mitch is moving? I noticed that no, they, Ridley, he's just they standing sh- there. Yeah, they should be moving. I don't know. 
the, the old rule of thumb is if you are running short and the quarterback breaks the pocket, you go deep. If you are running deep and the quarterback breaks the pocket, you come back to you the ball. Yeah. Well, so, they, just, they, I, they just stand still. And you had the yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of Ridley. I mean, he, he didn't even dress into the last couple of weeks. I'm guessing he probably wasn't getting a lot of practice reps. And he was a guy that was praised in college that his his great talent was route running. He he was a savvy route runner. So I don't expect him to be the kind of guy who makes an immediate impact in the slot with his breakaway speed or anything like that. He doesn't have that. He's supposed to have good hands and he's supposed to be a good route runner, which was the same thing that they said about Anthony Miller. And as we've seen, it took him, you know, almost a year and a half to really start to click. So, I mean, Ridley, I I don't think you can give up on him or anything like that, but I, I certainly wouldn't go into next year thinking you have your slot receiver there, but I also don't think you can bring Taylor Gabriel back. And what about Williams? Uh, Williams is Jeremy Bellamy, so he's got that going for him. There, there's always got to be one. I've completely forgotten about Bellamy. Um, you're talking about the what receivers are supposed to do when a play breaks down. The, the team they were playing on Sunday does one of the best jobs of that, and part of it is because they have a quarterback who is insanely accurate even when he's out of the pocket, but there were times yeah. if a few of the, you know, the Packers didn't have very many big plays and a couple of them were on that where Rogers got away from the rush and receivers completely changed their routes and got to open spots and got the ball. And yeah, I mean, that seems like something you should learn in high school and then just continue to, you know, have it ingrained in you, but you know, they're the bears. So there's a lot of standing around, which is always fun. <laughs> something about the I don't know maybe it's the water at Soldier Field something makes you forget We're, any yeah. any any savvy thing you'd ever learned but the and the the lack of impact from young players is I think another hallmark of a, I don't want to put this all on Nagy but it's his offense should it really be that complicated that it takes Miller half a year to figure it out? And it takes, I mean, certainly there are, there ought to be at least packages, things you can, you can slowly work a young player in so that he's got plays that he can run and be, and help you out in a pinch. And this is another thing that it just seems like, you know, why does it take so long? You know, why is it that, um, you know, it, and when he calls plays, you almost get the feeling that, you know, Nicky's excited when the run doesn't work right away because then he can just completely abandon it because he doesn't really want to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's just a lot of weird, a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. So okay. they've they got two games left that are of really no importance to anyone except on one of the bad things that their little three week run of competence did was it. Um, encouraged NBC to leave the game Sunday as a Sunday night game. So, hey, um, oh Jesus! So, I'm, I'm going to that game. Oh, that's right. Game, so you, but you won't have to sit and listen to uh, Al and Chris do three and a half hours of. Uh, How the hell you, could you draft Trubisky <laughs> over this guy? Exactly. As if everyone in Chicago isn't already just intensely aware. And of, it's it comes at a time where Mahomes. 
seems to have finally gotten past his... I mean, people are like, well, he's not having a good year. Well, yeah, he was playing with a dislocated kneecap, and he probably broke his left hand at, in one game. And he was um, missing receivers, too. I but believe. he, I the last, was out. especially last week, but even the week before, he seems to be rounding back into his Patrick Mahomesness. So that'll be great to see that on display. Um, and then who knows if anybody will be playing for anything in that Vikings season finale. But well, I'm not even sure what the Chiefs. I mean, they'll have some incentive, but they're kind of they're kind of screwed as far as um, getting one of the top two seeds because they um, they're at ten wins. Baltimore is going to run away with the one seed. They got twelve wins. So New England has eleven. <laughs> New England's home against Buffalo on Saturday, so they'll know what's going on there. New England's probably going to win that. Buffalo's already in the playoffs. I mean, I can't imagine Buffalo's going to go into Foxborough and take that. If New England wins, then Kansas City cannot overcome them because of the game they lost to them two weeks ago. No, they beat them. The Chiefs. Oh won. yeah. Da, 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 da. So I'm yeah. Sorry. So if the right. Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm they sorry. will have something to play for because right. if they, they can. They, do. they just no need to finish what, with the same record. Right. As New England, and they get the oh, they get the buy instead of my so. bad. You're right, and that boy, so that could be ugly then on Sunday. Not well, that it matters. We but. also are going to get to hear. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, Matt Nagy used to coach uh, oh. for Andy Reid. Get out! Tell me more. So we'll probably hear about that a little bit, and then I wonder if they'll drag out the realtor. That'll be fun if we can get that guy to come out and talk about how he let Nagy go become a coach. We get it's all. We're going to get all that shit recycled again so that'll be fun well i won't we'll spend three hours in a you know in a bacchanalian feast in the parking lot so i probably won't even remember the game that i'm at because we're i don't have to talk about it so i'm not gonna bother fucking watching so (laughs) that's that's my answer i I wouldn't have even finished the game on sunday if i didn't think i was gonna have to i you know call in here and say (laughs) some shit about it so I gotta say, uh, although because I'm not as down, I, I I still think there might be a sliver of competence in, in Trubisky. I am curious, and I don't think he had a terrible game. Um, I I am a little bit interested to see, you know, how some of these guys perform. Uh, at least, I mean, at least for the first quarter when they get start getting blown out, and then I'll put that thought away. But there's a little uh, the last month. They at least looked a lot more competent than they did in that chunk of season yeah. from, you know, late September to early November. So that's, you know, if you're looking for reasons to watch. I yeah, guess. I mean, I same way. I Obviously, I want Mitch to be good. I don't root against him. I just get to vent my frustrations at what he puts on display for us. But, um, you know, I, I, I would be more than happy to be wrong. I just... I can't imagine there's anything there. I think his ceiling is that of a semi-functional quarterback if surrounded by a really good team. And you don't draft that second overall. Right. So that's always going to be, you know, people can say, well, it doesn't matter. The draft's over. They've got him. They can't go back and redo it again. But no, but you also have to, you know, it's impossible not to have the what might have been thoughts because he didn't get picked in a in a draft where there weren't any quarterbacks. You know, he got picked in a good one and he was the bad choice out of that first round. So, 
and we'll get to see those other ones pretty much, at least for a few more weeks in January. We'll only have to watch them probably for the next 15 years, so that won't be so Well, bad. I'm sorry. Deshaun Watson plays for Houston, so by rule, they will play on the Saturday of the first weekend. Yeah, I think if it if if the playoffs started this weekend, which would be a surprise to everybody because nobody would be ready, uh, Bills Texans in the early well, in the it, early ABC funny. game. Which I is... didn't. I did not interject. I didn't even know that that was the setup. But I did not want to interject when when Kyle was was going off about uh, Josh Allen. But when he was describing him, I'm like, he sounds like the perfect ABC Saturday playoff quarterback matchup guy for Houston. So actually the like perfect would be for Allen to get hurt in the season finale and for it to be Matt Barkley. Now that's the perfect <laughs> Barkley Watson three o'clock ABC. Well, yeah, because Houston, I forgot. Now. Or is it I NBC now? Reason. Maybe it's NBC. It's no, that gets it. Well, yeah. Don't you, you get right. Tariko and I, uh, Rodney I Harrison and Tony I Dungy? I forget my recent history. Does Houston usually lose that game, or, or have they ever advanced? I know they have never. Gone well, to yeah, they got to play Connor Cook once. Oh, that's right. They got beat the, by the who was the Bengals third stringer? Didn't he beat them? They did not get beat by the Bengals because the Bengals haven't won a playoff okay. game since. So yeah, so I guess they do typically limp out of that game and then go to but New, the go to New they, England or somewhere and get hit. Didn't the Rush play in that game when they were like one game from getting the two seed? Yes, and then they Derek, were. Derek Carr got hurt. Yeah, and, and Carr was having his one really good season, and then he broke his leg. Yeah. So. Um. So I don't know. I'm kind of pulling for Houston if that's the case. Nice to see him get over the hump. They have lost. In the wild card round twice, and they've lost in the division round three times. And we don't know if the division round came after winning a wild card round, or did they bypass right into they, that? Uh, in 2011, I believe that was the year where, well, they beat a rookie, Andy Dalton. And then in 2012... They, I believe that was when. Um, all right, was that when they got to beat up on Connor Cook? Hold on. No, that was that Connor Cook replaced uh, Carr, right? Yep. That was like three years ago. Oh no! So they, yeah, they they beat Andy Dalton his first two years in the league, and then lost, I believe, in the division round of the Patriots both times after that. Okay. And then they lost a wild card game. In 2014, to the Chiefs, 30 to nothing. <laughs> they then they beat Connor Cook was 2016. Okay, and they lost in the division round to. Let's see here. God damn it. Now you're just pissing me off. Right. So Buffalo, Houston, huh? To the Patriots again. So the, both times they made it to the, all, all three times they made it to the division round. I believe they've been stifled immediately by the Patriots. Okay, but they have beaten the the Bengals twice, and also Connor Cook, an illustrious franchise history, indeed. Yeah, well, there you have it. So, but making the playoffs better than not making the playoffs. So who am I to judge? 
and they didn't. Not, not us. They, they, they took they took one of the good quarterbacks in that draft. So, right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been fun, gentlemen. Uh, we've had, we've had some laughs. And that's about it. So. Well, I mean, that's the thing. At the beginning of the year, Andy, I, I wanted first. I wanted to thank you for inviting me on when you first approached me back in August. I was like, why the hell would anyone want to listen to me? I don't really take any much of a deep dive. I don't, I don't, I don't really pay attention to much more than the bears. And even then it's pretty much from meatball covered glasses, colored glasses. And I, so you can make John Riggins references and, and, and leave anyone under the age of 40 puzzled. So, and and regale people with the Joe Theismann's (laughs) one yard punt. But, um, I ex- expressed my misgivings to you, you know, initially. I'm a like, well, humble, but, you know, I don't know why that would be. And you said, well, you know, all you got to do is watch the game and then be prepared to goof on it. And I was like, I can do that. Yep. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> not rocket science. But I also knew that you – I knew that I, you would be someone I could wander down the Rusty Lish, um, you know, Bob Now, Parsons. Rusty Lish – I do know Rusty Lish, though. He was the one that was so bad, Ditka literally benched him for Peyton, right? Well, like because that. you know that because I edified you on that about seven weeks ago. It's the game <laughs> I was at in 84. That Lish was so okay. bad that, yeah. And so, that yeah, was when they and that was when they then they signed Greg Landry off the street. And, yeah. and then, exactly right. So, see, I, okay. I've spread some knowledge to our young friend who does bring the more analytical perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, this, was, we had, this was a good... We had a good crew. The Bears fucked us with a bad right. season. Yeah. It's so. their fault. It's not our fault. It's their fault. And Absolutely. the it didn't matter if the Bears won or lost. We basically got the same number of downloads and listens every week. So clearly people <laughs> people enjoyed listening to us bitch about what what we had just seen. So I So yeah, so I want to I want to thank both of you and uh you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see a, how the offseason plays out because yeah. I'm sure after the draft we might have something to say. Yes, we'll have. To, I'm so. sure we'll have we'll have an emergency podcast or two, and something <laughs> exciting happens, and then we'll see. And now I when go back to I go back to my trades. regularly scheduled bitching about the Cubs on a more regular basis, and have fun yeah. with that. When 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 Pace trades both of his second round picks and next year's first to trade up and draft whoever the third best quarterback in this draft is, we'll have to. To convene and Jalen Hurts. That'll be Jalen great. Hurts. Get a running, yeah. get a running quarterback. <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs> get a running quarterback. He'll start out well, and then he'll get hurt, and and everyone will decide that you can't have a running quarterback, and then they'll just ask him to be a pocket passer and be surprised when it doesn't work. And the only thing we'll be sure about is that uh, even though he's probably aged out this year, Tyler Bray will still somehow be on the practice squad. <laughs> the practice squad. <laughs> That's something to look forward to. There we go. All right. All right. Well, so, I've had fun, gentlemen. Yep. Thanks, guys. I really Stay enjoyed here. it. Thanks yep. again. Have a good night. And thanks, Kyle. Someday, maybe go Bears. Yep. All right. That's it. Man. Bye. Merry Christmas, dude. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs>